in the beginning of Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul calls us to unity in the church. He tells us, verse 3, to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Then next in Ephesians 4, Paul calls us to unity in spiritual maturity. Again, unity in spiritual maturity. That is the subject of our message of this morning. And verses 7 through 16 of Ephesians 4 are the verses of our text. There are two key verses in our text, and they are verses 12 and 13. Listen to them again. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Today, we will consider three things from Ephesians 4, 7 through 16 about unity in spiritual maturity. One, what is this unity in spiritual maturity? Two, uh, what would one means be that God gives us by which we may attain unity in spiritual maturity? And then three, what is a rich blessing of this unity in spiritual maturity? Let's pray and then uh, go into those three questions. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, uh, we read in your word that all scripture is given by inspiration of you, and uh, all scripture is profitable. We uh, ask that you would work now so that we do profit, not just individually, but corporately as a church from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, what is this unity in spiritual maturity? Let's look at and read verses 12 and 13 once more. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What Paul is saying in these two verses, I think, is this. It is Christ's will 
for all of us to grow spiritually in him. It is Christ's will for each one of us believers, each one of us to grow spiritually to where we are mature, to where we have grown up into adult stature. Christ wants his church, his whole church, to be built up. He wants all of us to have strong faith in and deep heart knowledge of the Son of God. He wants all of us to possess the fullness which he himself possesses and bestows. Unity in spiritual maturity is all of us becoming what we should be in Christ together for the glory of Christ in his church. I was in conversation with someone about today's football players, specifically about their physical stature, their physical condition. And we were both remarking how strong and well-built they are, college players as well as professional players. You know, this is true, not just with a few of the football players on a team. This is true with the whole team. Spiritually speaking, that, writes Paul, is what Christ wants for us here and for every one of his households. Just as today's football teams are filled with players who are well-built, who are strong, so Christ wants each one of us here to be spiritually well-built, filled with goodness and faith, filled with every Christian virtue that comes from him. He wants all of us to be in outstanding spiritual condition, to be spiritually robust. And that once more is what unity in spiritual maturity is about. It is not only Christ's will for us to be in unity in our relationships with each other. It is also his will for us to grow in the faith, to attain maturity together for the glory of Christ in his church. Here's a thought. Christianity is not simply an individual thing, is it? It is not simply a person accepting Jesus Christ and then going off and being on his or her own spiritually apart from other believers, is it? It is not one going through life 
greatly ignoring the rest of the body. It is rather a corporate affair. Christianity entails being joined with other saints in a body and functioning and fellowshipping with them and advancing with them in knowing, loving, trusting, and following the Lord Jesus so that the body of Christ is being built up. They are not wise. They are not right who content themselves with private Christianity and imagine they do not need to be concerned about and may be apart from the rest of the church. Christianity entails being joined with other saints. Let me close out point one by asking two questions in light of what we have just covered. First, as a Christian, are you basically a loner? Are you one who primarily is off on his or her own? I hope you now see that this is not what Christ wants for his people. He wants us to be concerned about and with us here. He wants us to grow together. In a special Olympics race, that took place a number of years ago, one of the runners fell to the ground during the race. He tripped and he fell. When the other runners saw this, they did something quite remarkable. They all stopped running and they went back and they helped up the fallen one. And then they went on to run together. Are you one who primarily is off on his or her own? Christ wants us to be together and to grow together. Question number two, does it matter to you when your fellow Christians here are not growing spiritually? When we together are not maturing in Christ, do you grieve over this? I know we are concerned about people in our midst who are hurting physically, and we should be. But how about people who are hurting spiritually? Are we pained over that person? Are we pained over that person who is not growing more in the Lord? 
We should be. We really should be for another teaching in the word of God. Ephesians 4 is unity in spiritual maturity. Our second point this morning is let's consider from our text what one means is that God gives by which we may attain this unity in spiritual maturity. Look with me now at Ephesians chapter 4, where I'm going to start reading at verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given. Uh, That word grace means service grace. Here, it means grace for service. So, to each one of us, grace for service has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Do you see in these verses what one means for unity and spiritual maturity is? It is Christ giving each one of us believers at least one spiritual gift that he expects us to use for the good and growth of each other. But to each one of us, service grace has been given as Christ apportioned it so that the body of Christ may be built up. God has given us a gifted one another. Let me repeat this. Christ has given each one of us a spiritual ability to serve in some way, and then he has given us to one another so that we will help each other to spiritual maturity. Verses 15 and 16 of Ephesians 4. Instead, speaking the truth in love, and I think we can uh, put these words in instead for the very beginning. Instead, using our gifts in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 compares the church to the human body. Let that fill your mind for a moment. 
In our human bodies, God has given us arms, legs, eyes, ears, etc. But he has not given these parts to us for these parts to serve themselves, has he? For these parts to be off on their own. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. That now is also true with us in our church here. Christ has sovereignly brought us all here. And he has equipped each one of us for service. And he has given to each one of us for the purpose of unity in spiritual maturity. Unity in spiritual maturity, how? One element is through unselfishly using our spiritual gift. I read a story uh, about a mother who was sick in bed with the flu. And her little daughter wanted so much to be of help, uh, to be a good nurse. And so she uh, fluffed the pillows and brought a magazine and then she even showed up with a surprise cup of tea. Why, you're such a sweetheart, the mother said, as she drank the tea. I didn't know you even knew how to make tea. Yes, she knew how. She knew how. And all of us know how to do something to help one another spiritually. By the way, the rest of that story goes, uh, the little girl said to her mother about making the tea, I learned how to do it. By watching you, I, I put the tea leaves in the pan, and then I put in the water, and, and then I boiled it, and then I strained it into a cup. But I couldn't find a strainer, so I used the fly swatter instead. Well, the mother uh, certainly perked up and said, you what? And the little girl said, don't worry, Mom, I didn't use the new fly swatter. I used the old one. <laughs> From our text, let me call your attention to three things about these spiritual gifts. From our text, A, the giver of these spiritual gifts is the ascended Lord Jesus, the ascended 
Lord Jesus bestows gifts upon his people. Verses 7 and 8. But to each one of us, grace for service has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. The picture here is of a military conqueror leading his captives and sharing the spoil with his followers. In the ancient world, the victors in battle would invariably receive tribute and then distribute it. What they took from their captives, they would give away to their people. In the case of Christ and his captives here, though, uh, the captives are not his enemies, but his own. Sinners who once were held captive by sin and Satan have now been taken captive by Christ. And instead of Christ taking booty from them and giving it to others, he goes on to give them gifts. He has captured us and he gives us spiritual gifts by which we might serve him and others and through that be a blessing. The giver of these spiritual gifts is the ascended, conquering, victorious Lord Jesus. And then B, the character of spiritual gifts is extremely varied. Verses 11 and 12. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works, plural, works of service. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6 reads, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. And by the way, that word working there uh, carries the idea of, of power. Okay, he's, he's given me a gift, but do I have the power to use it? Yes. But the same God works all of them in all men. We, we are not to suppose that there are only a few spiritual gifts, or capacities, or abilities, or powers that Christ gives out to believers. There are many, because there are several ministries that need to be performed to build up the body of Christ. And then uh, see, uh, in reference to these spiritual gifts, the purpose, as I've said a number of times already, is service. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. Let me say once more, because this is, this is so key, that you have not been given your spiritual ability for yourself. You have not been given the ability to counsel, uh, to do music, to sing, to teach, to, to be a welcoming person. You have not been given the ability to show compassion, uh, to help, to encourage, to practice hospitality, to pray for yourself. You have been given it for us. You have been given it for the purpose of serving others here until we all reach unity in the faith. And so to try to help you to feel how important it is that we respond properly to what we're now hearing, let's say you were quite poor. You lived in poverty. What would you think if you were told that I was given something by someone that would help you out of your poverty, but I was keeping it to myself, I was not going to use it for you? What would you think? That's what we could think about fellow believers who don't use their gifts given them by Christ in our lives. Paul is calling us today to spiritually grow together. He tells us that one way this takes place is through each one of us serving one another. And so will you commit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, the ascended Christ who has gifted you? Our last point from Ephesians 4 this morning is, what is a rich blessing of unity in spiritual maturity? And to introduce this point, I, I simply want to say the Bible teaches us that there are actually many blessings to unity in spiritual maturity. Just as there are many different spiritual gifts given, so there are many blessings from this unity in spiritual maturity. For instance, think of what our corporate worship would be like if we were mature in Christ. And think too of what we together could accomplish for the Lord if we were spiritually, if we were spiritually robust. Think of the people who would be reached. Think of the work that would be done. 
Think of how the kingdom of God would be advanced. There are many blessings to unity in spiritual maturity. But Paul now, in Ephesians 4, focuses on just one. And it's found in verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of doctrine, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Paul tells us that, that we individually and collectively will have stability in our Christianity. We will have firmness. We will be established in the faith. We will not be tossed about by every religious fad and new teaching that comes along. We won't see members leaving our fellowship or leave ourselves because we've been deceived by false teachers and cults. We won't see disruptions or explosions take place in our midst. Quote, we won't be people who never seem to know our own mind or come to settled convictions. Our beliefs will not be simply those of the last preacher we heard or of the last book we read. Rather, we will have a firm walk with Christ and a solid, unshakable fellowship of Christians here. One of the things a coach wants to do is bring together his players, uh, unite his players. And then he wants to have them grow together until they are a strong team. For when they are a strong team, they will not easily fall. Paul tells us that a blessing of unity and spiritual maturity is we will be strong. We will be firm in the faith, not tossed around, not blown here and there. And so I ask, will you commit yourself to doing your part, to using your gift so that we will be established in the faith. God has not only called us to unity in our relationships with one another, he has also called us to unity in spiritual maturity. Unity in spiritual maturity is unity in the faith and in the heart knowledge of the Son of God. One element that brings this about is each one of us doing our part. And a blessing of it is establishment in the faith. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, it's... Uh, 
perhaps incorrect for me to think that uh, the uh, messages on unity that I've heard through the years uh, really dwell on the idea of unity of relationships. Uh, and uh, very, very few messages in reference to unity and spiritual maturity. And that could be the case with others. But whether it is or not, Heavenly Father, help us to realize that this is also uh, part of your will uh, for us here at Trinity Church. Yes, unity in our relationships, but also unity in our spiritual growth. And so help us to do our part for this to be a healthy, strong church to the glory of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.